0: We've been in this message series called "Every Day," as we're uh, as looking at what it means to be a daily follower of Jesus, and uh, and and what we've covered so far is that you know every day Jesus calls us to take up our cross to deny ourselves and follow Him. That that we're reminded to be people who gather daily. We last week we looked at we're people who study the Word daily, and so we've got this sense of following Jesus as a consistent daily practice. Someone who separates their faith from their everyday life is not really following Jesus. That's, that's being a fan that's you're interested. You, you, you like it, but, but if you're able to, to kind of condense your, your life of faith to that hour on Sunday morning, I, I I tell you, you're not really a follower of Jesus to know Jesus, to follow him as a daily habit. So last week, Last week we dropped in on the apostle Paul and his companions in a small city in northern Greece called Berea. And we were commended that the Bereans, uh, were, were of noble character because they, they heard what, what Paul taught and then they went to the scriptures to study for themselves. The, you know, that proverb we, we said to trust and verify or in Russian, no овайай. Victor, am I even close? Where are you? I saw you here. Hey, he gives me the thumbs up. That's good. All right. But once again, even from there in Berea, uh, Paul's chased off. And and so now his next stop is in Athens. Only Athens becomes a very different kind of ministry for Paul. From the very start, he engaged in a much more sort of public uh, practice of ministry. He typically, um, he would just start in the synagogue and kind of stay there until he wasn't welcome there anymore. But here... He started the synagogue and and went into public, the public square right away, right from the start. So, you know, to put it in today's terms, like he was in church and he was on the Fresno State campus. He was doing both at the same time, right? And so I want to, let's read, let's turn to Acts chapter 17 if you've got your Bible with you. Um, we're going to be in the New Testament Acts. Remember, we've got uh, Old Testament, New Testament. We're five books in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And uh, this is really the the whole book, is how the church uh, was born and flourished. And you know, We're in chapter 17. I'm going to pick about 16, and I know it's a little bit of a long passage, but uh, I'm going to read the whole thing because we need the context. Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 16, it says this, While Paul was waiting for them, he's waiting for his friends to join him in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily, daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. Eighteen, he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? While others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. And then they took him to the high council of the city or the aeropagus is the is the term. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. Verse 21, it should be explained that it, all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. And so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. He said, men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And in one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Verse 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth, and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. That should take a little stress out of you when you go to the election, uh, the voting booth this season, okay? God is still in charge of all things. Verse 27. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. For in Him we live and we move and we exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Verse 30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Verse 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris and others with them. We thank the Lord for his word this morning. I'd say this is one of Paul's most exposed outings. For the first time, he's alone in a city. And, and if that had been me, I think I would have said, like, finally some vacation time, like finally I get a break. I'm just, I mean, I like silence and all, but (laughs) I need some me time, right? I mean, that's what most of us probably would have done. The Parthenon, how many of you have been to, to Athens? You've seen the Acropolis, you've seen the Parthenon, you know, a bunch of you, right? That was already a tourist attraction then. I mean, it was 500 years old then. And so, uh, you know, he could have. He could have done that from where he reasoned with these philosophers. It's kind of right below that. You can look. How many of you have been? Of those people, you probably went to Mars Hill as well, where this took place, and um, and and so you know he could have just taken it easy, got a much needed break, uh, maybe sleep in a little, take a hike, right? You just kind of enjoy the surroundings, taking the food, but not Paul, not Paul, because his integrity kept him on mission. His integrity kept him on mission. So typically, as we saw, Paul would, he would start exclusively in in a synagogue, speaking to the Jews from the Jewish scriptures. And and to do that, he was kind of speaking with familiar language, right? A point of commonality, using a a text they both accepted as true and, and reliable and inspired by God. So that we would say is God's, you know, the scriptures, the Bible, we would say is God's specific Revelation written down and and spoken. When I read this word to you, I'm speaking God's written word to you. But in the public marketplace, Paul did not begin with the Bible. Did you notice that? He didn't say, hey, friends, let's uh, let's pick up our scriptures. Oh, you don't have scriptures. Well, let me read the scriptures. He didn't start there. He didn't begin with the Bible. Where did he begin? He began with creation, the general revelation of God's character and God's work. Paul was convinced, Paul was convinced that you could know God without ever cracking a Bible. I'm not saying don't ever crack your Bible. He's saying you could know God without ever having been exposed to the revelation of God's word. Because he even said this to the Romans. Paul wrote this and you read this in Romans chapter 1 verse 20. Ever since the world was created, Paul writes, people have seen the earth, earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Think about that. So anybody who's honest on any moment, any opportunity they have to really be exposed. It's getting tougher and tougher in an urban setting, but anybody, you you go to the beach or you go to the mountains, you go somewhere outdoors. If you're honest, you have to be able to say, Someone made this. And let me just take a rabbit trail here for a minute. This is, this is why evolution, the theory of evolution is so, um, essential, so fundamental in a secular worldview, a secular mindset, because you have to, to, to sort of ignore God, you have to remove God. And if God is not the creator of all things, then he is not God. If he didn't create all things, then, then you don't have to answer to anybody. If you're just a random accident of the cosmos, perfect, you can just do what you want. There's no accountability, there's no judgment. And so the only way you can get people to kind of submit to a kind of an authoritarian way of living or to a selfish way of living is to say, no, 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 God didn't create everything. I mean, there might be God, you know, there might be a deity out there, but he didn't create everything. That's the only way a secular worldview can stand. Otherwise, if you can admit that the, consistency the complexity the beauty the reliability the um just the extravagance of nature if you admit that if you can look at that and say this had to have been put together by somebody this thing couldn't have just happened if you if you are at a place where you you won't admit that then you're going to live for yourself but if you're honest and you look at that and say okay then what because that means there may be something more You've got to be able to admit that. And God didn't create everything. You know, you only, you only create something because you have a need for it or because you love someone else. Think about this. If, if I, if I uh, create something in my, in, my, in my garage, I either create it because I love my wife and I, I want to build something for her or because I have a need for it. Yeah, I, need, I need a set of shelves, so I'll build that. But God has no needs. So God could only have created because he loves So God loves you. It's why He created all things and why He created you. Because He doesn't have any needs, and yet He's the creator. So that's fundamental. And the moment you remove creation, everything, um, you know, the rest of the rest of this falls apart. All right. That's didn't really come here to talk about that, but it's important. It's important. So listen, we have. Thank you. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate that. We have this episode here because Paul, what did he do? Paul sought out an audience. He went looking for it. Verse 17b says, he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. I mean, I don't know if Paul was annoying the way he did this. Hey, hey, God. you know, I noticed your truck has four wheels. That reminds me of the four spiritual laws. I mean, he didn't do that kind of thing, right? He... But the tip here is that as believers, we are called to share daily, to daily, uh, including publicly, to make the good news known. But for a seeker, for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, there's an opportunity to seek daily. And if that's where you're at today, if you're saying, I don't really buy this Jesus thing, that's fine right now, but I want you to be somebody who seeks daily. Uh, Scripture promises that the person who, who seeks earnestly after God will find him and also promise that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, so from there, at first he's in the public square, then he gets an invitation to debate with the philosophers of the day, the Stoics and the Epicureans. The Epicureans had this idea that, you know, the goal of life was was pleasure and freedom from anxiety, and the Stoics, their goal of life was kind of rationality and and, and self-sufficiency. Today, you know, the, the equivalent might be like the party-on crowd versus the study-hard crowd. And Ben, you're going to encounter both of those in in college. You're going to encounter those who are studying hard because they're going to make something of their life by working hard, being diligent, getting a 4.0. And you're going to encounter those who are like, dude, I'm just here for the whatever. Already met him. <laughs> right. Of course. Good <laughs> community. But but those are the two extremes. And and Paul comes to speak to those. Neither of those are the answer to life, right? So. And then from there, he gets invited up even higher to the A-League of the debate floor, the Aeropagus, this sort of philosophical city council. And so, like, he's with the, he's, he's in the bigs right now at this point. And so, lots has been written about Paul's approach, which was brilliant, by the way. He's non-confrontational. He establishes a rapport. He speaks their language. He quotes their own philosophers and says, you know, what they're saying is true. And now let me unpack that for you. He respected their turf. He, Even as he kind of challenged what they believed, he still respected them. And so in terms of rhetorical strategy, it's brilliant. So if we're going to be faithful to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and look for ways to share that daily, I want to just grab a few pointers out of of Paul's approach here. Uh, For one thing, Paul was able to share the good news daily because he saw the world with spiritual eyes. He saw the world with spiritual eyes, and you can do that, too. And so if you're taking notes this morning, uh, you, you could write this down. See the world with spiritual eyes. See the world with spiritual eyes. See, as Paul walked around Athens, he wasn't just a tourist. He, he wasn't just a missionary looking for an audience. He saw everything through spiritual eyes or what we call a biblical worldview. So when Paul saw the idols, he didn't think, wow, that's amazing You know, that's amazing artwork. I mean, no, that's just incredible craftsmanship. Or he he didn't think, well, that's dumb. Why would they have those here? Neither of those, right? He saw behind that and he saw, he recognized spiritually that people were enslaved to worshiping demonic spirits represented by those idols. He saw with spiritual eyes. And, and, you know, we could learn to do that ourselves. Verse 16 says he was deeply troubled. I like how the, the, ESV version puts it, his spirit was provoked within him. Something went, oh, inside of him. I don't know if you've ever been deeply troubled by what you've seen. Maybe in this this Halloween season, there's some homes that are just particularly like, oh, I'm not saying don't kind of have a little fun with decorations and so on, but there's some you go like, I don't want to walk by that house. There's something in me that goes, oh, (laughs) right. I I remember, and you're going to laugh at me about this, but this was about... I don't know, about a dozen years ago, I went through the Las Vegas airport for the first time in my life, and I had never seen slot machines before. Wow. Never been in a casino, still haven't. And, uh, and I, and as I walked through this airport, I'm like, what is going on here? And I just saw people just dead looks in their eyes. And, and, and just, it, to me, my heart just broke, because it looked like they were slaves to a machine. Now we have those little machines in our hands, we're all slaves to them right here, but, I, I was, I feel like I was seeing it with spiritual eyes. And my spirit was deeply disturbed when I saw that. So, listen, we don't get mad at people. Paul wasn't angry at them for worshiping idols. He was heartbroken for them. Listen, this is so crucial. When you, when you've got friends who don't know Jesus, you don't get mad at them because they're living a life that is not reflective of Jesus. Your heart breaks for them. He didn't preach to judge them or to condemn them. He preached them. He, he preached them to, to bring freedom and salvation. Do you see the difference there? And so, I would just say this: Ask the Lord to give you spiritual eyesight. What spiritual realities are you seeing in your neighborhood as you walk around, or in your workplace, or in your your school setting? What's going on in a spiritual way? Ask the Lord to let you see that. And by the way. Paul actually made a point of being around what we would call lost people. When I say lost, I don't mean they didn't know where they were. They didn't have Google Maps. By lost, we're talking spiritually not found. If you don't know Jesus personally, you are a lost person. It's like John Newton wrote in that great hymn. I once was blind, but now I see what's lost, but now I'm found, right? It, it doesn't mean that you don't know where you're going. It means you do not understand what it means to be found in the life of Christ. And so he was around these people. He didn't just, he didn't just limit his hangout time to, to other believers. He put himself in places where he could rub shoulders with people who had not heard the gospel. Jesus, for example, we just heard it this morning. Jesus dined with tax collectors and sinners. Ben, I'm so glad you read that. I mean, that's literally what I have in my notes here. And Paul, in the same way, went where he could actually encounter people who needed to hear the good news. But in, in doing so, in doing so, he looked for evidence of spiritual interest, right? He didn't start out by pointing their sinfulness. He walked around all those idols and he saw something like, well, wow, here's an idol to an unknown God. These people are trying to worship God without even realizing it. They were spiritually interested. They were spiritually hungry, spiritually curious. And he spoke to that. And so he 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 complimented them rather than pointing out what, you know, them being sinners were all sinners. At their opagus at verse 22, right? He says, men of Athens... I noticed that you're very religious in every way. That was not a criticism. That was a, that was a way in. That was a door into their heart, into their life. A point of identifying with them. And that launched them into a presentation of the gospel. So just as we said, we want to see the world with spiritual eyes. Here's another obvious statement. If you're going to share the good news, you got to know the story. The apostle Paul knew what he was talking about. So write this down. You got to know the story. Paul spoke differently, like we already said, with Jews who accepted the authority of the Bible. But here, beginning at creation, right, he took them through the essentials of the gospel message. So let me unpack these a little bit for you, because you've got to know the steps of the salvation story. You know, if your spiritually curious friend asks you, is this true? Like, how, you know, what do you think about God? Or, you know, if you begin to have a spiritual conversation, you got to know what, what you're talking about. And all of scripture affirms this message. And it really does begin at creation. So if you're taking sub notes under knowing the story, write this down. God created everything and everyone. God is supreme and he created everything and everyone. He even created nations and ethnic groups. Verse 27 tells us why. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Listen, that's not what a lot of people have heard about God. What they've heard is, you know, God's out to get you, God's angry, you know, if you're not already, you know, one of God's, you're, you're done for, you're toast, or, you know, God's cruel. They've they've heard all kinds of things that are not true about God. But Paul's saying is God created you to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. Remember what I said? You only create something to either, because you have a need for it, or because you love someone else. God has no need, so He only created out of love for you. And, 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 and people have heard that God's far away that God's angry, but the Paul actually says he's not far from any anyone of me he's so close you guys you're so close you're so close any person that you encounter, no matter how far how rebellious they are, they are so close because God is close to them, and all is it all it takes is one turn to say, "I turn away from my own way and I turn to God that's all it takes that's the beginning point, but you gotta to know that God created everything. Step two says that, that we're separated from God by our sin. You can just write that down. Separated by sin. Verse 30. Paul Paul said this. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Listen. That's that's the bad news part of the good news. That we, we call it the fall. Or, you know, we would say we're created to be good and perfect. But instead we all sin. We all do. And, and, and Paul's saying, look, we're separated from God because of our wrongdoing, because of our sin and our ignorance and our rejection, and our rebellion. And then he leads into step three, which is both good news and bad news, depending how you respond to it. It's bad if you reject God, but it's good if you repent. So part three of the story is this. Salvation from judgment, salvation from judgment, that there is salvation available from judgment. Verse 31, for he has set a day of judging, for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Verse 31, we're in Acts 17, verse 31. It wasn't until this point that Paul actually even introduces the Savior, Jesus, the one who was raised to life. And he doesn't even mention Jesus' name. Why? Because it's not gonna mean anything to them yet. So he's he's totally coming at this whole thing from their angle, understanding they don't have the language I have. So he's not speaking Christianese. Well, friends, you just need to be justified in the glorious, marvelous grace of of, of, whatever. He doesn't go there. He's completely coming from their language and their angle and identifying with them. But he's inviting them to escape the coming judgment from God. And then... At that point, some of the audience is like, you know what? We're done. This is too weird. I don't uh, I I can't I can't get into this. And others want to know more. They're curious. They're interested. And some actually respond and say, we believe we're responding to the gospel. And so this is step four: is this a decision to believe in Jesus, a decision to believe in Jesus. So you could summarize it this way. If you want to write down four words, creation, sin, salvation, decision. And you can maybe even come up with an easier way of doing that. But in this passage, that's what's happening. Creation, sin, salvation, decision. God created you because he loves you. We all sin, so we're separated from God. Salvation is available to rescue us from the consequences of sin. But you've got to make your own decision. That's it. That's the elevator pitch. I had an opportunity. Uh, uh, actually, I won't go into it. We're short on time. so. But it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be lengthy. Creation, sin, salvation, decision. And so I would say this. This is where the challenge lands for, for us, for you and for me. Let's say we learn to see the world with spiritual eyes. Let's say we get that kind of vision, that kind of eyesight from God. Uh, let's, you, you know, let's say we make sure we understand and know the story. At some point, we have to speak up. At some point, you have to actually say something. I, I You can write it this way. Give it a go. We have to give it a go. In fact, say it with me. Give it a go. One more time. Give it a go. You got it? Finally, take a chance. And and when you're given an opportunity, speak up. And you're probably going to do it terribly the first time, first 10 times. Ben, I don't know if you do it perfectly every time you have the opportunity to to share the gospel with somebody, right? I know I certainly don't. And you're probably just going to make a mess of it. And you know what? That's okay. God is so gracious. God is so kind. Then they're probably not even hearing what you're saying anyway, because the spirit is beginning to stir something in them when they do that. So look for spiritual interest and then let the spirit lead you. And you're going to have to obviously be sensitive in different situations. Don't become that annoying person at at work that, that, you know, you don't recognize that, you know, you got to read the room, so to speak, and be sensitive about it. Understand that the setting you're in, because there's no cookie cutter approach. You can't, There's no two people that are the same. So there's no two situations that are identical. You've got to trust the Holy Spirit to direct every conversation. But it starts with these fundamentals. You're seeing with spiritual eyes. You know the story. You're willing to give it a go. And and most of the time, probably the conversation's not going to go very far. If you've got a longer term relationship with somebody, you're going to find ways to to build more and more camaraderie. If it's a short relationship, you've got to get there sooner. Sometimes it makes progress lots of times it's really really slow and and not even getting very far at all but the story doesn't get told the story doesn't get told if we don't give it a go i had an opportunity a few weeks back um with my neighbors they in fact christy and worship team why don't you guys come up because you're going to lead us in a couple songs so why don't we do that um and there was a there was a just a really challenging situation and and um you know there. are You know, I don't know where they're at with the Lord right now, but uh, I just felt like I needed to say, you know, God loves you so much and he wants you to experience peace at this situation. Can I pray with you right now? Oh, yeah, you do that. And so it just began to create an opportunity to to show the gospel in that in that way. So just trust the leading of the Holy Spirit in your different places, different relationships. Give it a go. I've been to Athens. Like many of you have to that very spot where Paul preached this message. There's no church built on that site. There's nothing to, there's a little bit of a platform, but nothing really, there's, there's things that commemorate the philosophies of the age, but there's nothing to there to commemorate the message that Paul preached there. It's a pagan site. It's a secular location. And that's because each and every generation has to make their own decision for Jesus. You can't decide for your kids, your grandkids. Each generation has to decide. Maybe you feel like your parents decided for you. That's not good enough. Each generation decides for themselves. Will I trust Jesus or will I not trust Jesus? Will I turn to him for salvation, for freedom or not? Will I recognize that he created me because he loves me and wants to have a relationship, wants to know me or not? Creation, sin, salvation, decision. We're going to pray and we're going to sing this great song. God, I just thank you that um, Paul had this amazing encounter and that you sought to preserve it in scripture for us today. And Lord, I, I wish I could say I share the gospel daily everywhere I go. That's just not the case. And Lord, I want to be that person who learns... To know you more and more so that it becomes increasingly natural to, to share you with the people I encounter. Not out of obligation, not out of duty, not out of condemnation or judgment, but out of genuine love for you and love for the people around me. God, I pray that you give me that heart and I pray that you make us a church with that heart. And Lord, as we do that, to begin to see, yep, some are going to reject, probably most. A few are going to want to know more, and then even a smaller number are going to say, you know, we're ready, we believe. God, we want to be that place where that happens. And Lord, as we encounter our friends without even really knowing what's going on, I ask that you would really give us those eyes to see what's behind the curtain, spiritually speaking. Thank you for your great love for us, God. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Let's stand together as we sing a, song, a couple of songs.